For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. That, what, what, what episode is this? Episode 82. All right. Welcome to episode 82 of The Full Goal Podcast with Jason Goff. I know I haven't introduced an episode in like four or five pods, but, you know, we're getting back to fundamentals here. Uh, shout out to the active Jesse Lopez, who is with us. Chris Tannehill, it is his birthday weekend. So he is in Vegas hanging out. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Chris. Happy yeah, birthday. Yeah, yeah. We, we love you. You know that, brother. Happy birthday to Chris Tannehill uh, out there in Vegas. If you if you are a, uh, a fan of Chris Tannehill's IG, you are seeing all the things that he is partaking in. You got beautiful women bringing him cakes, poolside, and all that kind of birthday cakes, by the way. Now, you know, I don't want somebody to listen to this and get the wrong idea of what Chris is actually doing out there in Vegas. He's a, he's a family man and he loves his wife. There are no, uh, there are no scantily clad women bringing him cakes. They're, they're bringing a birthday cake and they did bring a birthday cake. I don't want it to make it seem like also that this was happening on a constant loop throughout the weekend for him. Like everywhere he went, he was just getting cake. Uh, but happy birthday to our guy, Chris Tannehill. And of course, the uh, shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti is always somewhere lurking uh, in the in the background. Like when my phone goes off now, I'm like, oh, shit, somebody going to want something. Somebody going to ask for something. Like, for instance, my phone went off today when I was hooping. My phone goes off and it's Dollar Bill Simmons. I'm like, oh, shit, what I do now? You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, <laughs> he must have listened to one of these pods. So, so I check my phone and it's always him 
wanting to talk to me about the Bulls and why he believes in them. And it's funny as hell to me because, you know, there's a, there's a phrase that was coined here in this city, uh, and it was made by the one Matt Spiegel, my former partner here in Chicago, and he coined the phrase called out-of-town stupid, right? And it simply is what it sounds like. I can't go on L.A. radio and be like, so you know what the problem with the Lakers is? Because I've seen maybe five or six or seven Laker games this year, right? Maybe yeah, maybe more than that because they're on national TV a lot. So say, let's say 10 games. But I couldn't talk about them with the accuracy and confidence that I talk about the Bulls with, right? So the worst place, and there's a little, little behind the scenes for everybody listening, the worst place you can put an out-of-town guest is asking them too much about the team that is in town that you're talking about with the fan base every single day. Because then they're going to come in there with the surface level shit and the fans are going to be like, this fucking guy's horrible. Like, <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. Like, I can do his job or I can do her job and that's how it happens. So you, you know, you keep it surface unless a guest wants to jump like deep dive into what they Go really know in. about your team. Yeah, yeah. And then if you're speaking with that level of confidence, let's get it. But usually national guests are reserved for national topics and then the national overview. So when Bill Simmons hits me and is always trying to figure out why the Bulls are better than they seem they are, I'm like, hey, man, like maybe just it's out of town stupid or it's in town anxious, right? And I'm not saying Bill is out of town stupid one because he, he cut the checks. So I don't really need to be calling him stupid in any shape, form, or manner, right? I protect my coins. I'm not a fucking idiot. I got a five-year-old, right? I got a wedding I got to get ready to pay for here, right? I have a fiance who likes nice things. I am also into nice things as well. So who am I to call Bill Simmons out of town stupid? Now, if one of my other Boston buddies hit me up and was like, hey, man, the Bulls are a lot better than you giving them credit for, Maybe I'd call them out of town stupid and then listen to their points. But maybe, just maybe, I'm in town anxious. And I see this team so much. I, I'm around this team so much. I hear about this team so much. I think about this. I, I, did I tell you the other night? Well, not the other night. Like, a couple of months ago, I, I like, just was screaming. Not screaming, but, like, I was saying Malcolm Brogdon's name in my sleep. Because I do vaguely I, remember that. Yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, I do, yeah, I do. Yeah. Because my, my, my lady is like, who's Malcolm Brogdon? And I'm yeah. like, oh, shit. No, yeah, that definitely yeah, happened. I yeah, do remember that, yeah. without a doubt. I'm always thinking about this team. I'm always thinking about the matchup the next night or, or the night before. Like, you know, I carry these 82 games with me, not just as a fan, but what I do for a living. So every once in a while, I'm like, hey, man, are you being too hard on this squad? And this is, you know, as a, as a Bulls fan, you know, you should ask yourself this as well. How hard are you being on the Bulls and how productive is it in your fandom right now? Um, because for me, I know how hard I am on this team. And it's only because I like to identify a team's weaknesses more so than their strengths. So I won't be surprised if things go awry or if things go sideways or, you know, if you get beat from, for a certain you know, minute thing that you could have pointed out in the second week in November, right? And you're like, ah, that came back to bite them in the ass, right? Like, I, that's how I grew up being a fan, you know, instead of 
you know, anybody can wave the pom-poms and a lot of people jump on bandwagons and it's fine because I'm not one of these people like, oh, you didn't like the team then, don't like them now. It's like, yeah, no, nah, joy is for everybody. Hope is for everybody. Interest and intrigue is for everybody. It only helps us out in terms of the bottom line and the product that we're putting out there. But I've never been like, get up out of here because you don't know as much about the team or as I do or that you're being a homer. I just know how I do it. And where I'm at right now with this team is if you look at it, two very important games that they had to win, they won. The Toronto game and the Cleveland game, they serve as tiebreakers. They give you a two-game edge. If you got a one-game edge, you all know the spiel. I don't have to run it down the line to you. But what we saw against Milwaukee and what we saw against uh, New Orleans was substandard. You can't get waxed by 28 and then come out against a team uh, like New Orleans who's also trying to play for their playing lives and get beat by 17 or something like that by them. Right. And and then Alice Caruso comes out after the Cleveland Cavaliers game and says, we looked at this as our playoff game. This is our playoff season starting now. And it's, you know, I have to treat it like that because this team has had to have the re-emphasis put on certain things, certain attention to detail, certain spe- specifics that Billy Donovan is trying to hammer home. And and it's crazy because Lonzo Ball doesn't seem like he's going to come back, not just this regular season, but, you know, If I was a betting man, I'd put it 50-50 as far as the postseason is concerned. And I have been talking to the same people that everybody else has been talking to and listening and watching the same things that everybody else has been listening and watching to. I I don't know. I don't have any inside information more so than anybody else does. You know, shout out to Casey Johnson and Joe Cowley and, you know, our guy Zach Cram and Rob Schaefer, everybody who covers the team here in the city of Chicago, Darnell Mayberry, you know, everybody, right? You know, Cheryl Stout, like Mike McGraw. They're giving you what you need to know. And all you got to do is read in between the lines a little bit and know that Lonzo Ball is not close. And he's not as close as he should be or what you thought he would be in terms of the, the prognosis. Um, and, you know, setbacks happen. If anybody knows that, especially with point guards' knees in, in, in the city of Chicago, it's Bulls fans. We understand that setbacks happen. So it goes from Lonzo Ball being as Kendall Gill called him, you know, as Lonzo Ball goes, so goes the Chicago Bulls, essentially saying he's the most important player. I don't know if you're ready to hear this, Bulls fans, but the most important player on this team going forward is Nikola Vucevic. And I don't even think it's close. The way Vuce is playing and being played, uh, it's all going to rely upon him because I don't think the Bulls, when Switching, and before I get too far ahead of myself, the Bulls have to play through Vooch offensively if they're going to get the best out of him. He's a good enough passer. Um, and, and KG and I and Will and I and a lot of Bulls fans and myself have been going back and forth on why Vooch shoots so many threes. And if you really want to get back down to the nitty-gritty, dense basketball shit in it, they run a lot of pick and rolls, Right? And if you run a lot of pick and rolls with DeMar DeRozan and, of course, Zach Levine, you want those guys to be driving or getting to their spots. Vooch, one of his spots is the top of the key. So if you can remove him, get him out of the lane, also take a big who's guarding him out of the lane, which is essentially probably the team's best or second best uh, shot, you know, defender or, or uh, rim defender, you know, somebody who could change and challenge shots in the paint. You bring him out there to the top of the key, you got one less person defending a rim that Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and Javante Green and Ayo DeSumo and a lot of these guys are trying to attack. 
I understand that part of it. I truly do. The the issue is Vooch starts to get, I won't say into a deferential phase, but if he's not picking and rolling with you, he's going to be fine standing out there. And all of his offense can't come from out there. But the issue also is DeMar DeRozan has shown you for 70 plus games now, and he was out uh, before the, he was out in the Pelicans game with a strained groin, came back for the Cavs game, played well, and especially in the second half. But DeMar DeRozan has shown you exactly where his offense is coming from. It's in that restricted area. It's on the elbows, right? It's in that nail area where you, if you got a big man down there, he's going to be with another big man that's guarding him, and that's going to kind of confound things for you. So I do understand the shot profile or the shots that Vooch is getting, especially in that arc area, especially top of the key. What I would say is, you got to make sure that Vooch is touching that thing every other time, at least one out of three times in the post, because he's a he's a damn good post passer, and you're taking some of that pressure from the defense having five sets of eyes on the ball handler, who usually is the initiator in the pick and roll, which is Demar Derozan and Zach Levine. You're taking those eyes off that ball handler and allowing them to roam free on the baseline, in the corner, like different places. You know, Mike Brown, for the first seven years, first six years of LeBron's career, had the ball in his hands every single time. And LeBron was outstanding. He was excellent. He was peak LeBron at the end of his run to get with Mike Brown and the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? He was peak LeBron. But offensively, their, their, their scheme was a little basic. So if I got everybody who can locate the best player or the second best player on the team because he has the ball at all times, it, it gives the defense a little bit of an advantage. But if you allow DeMar DeRozan to play off the ball a little bit more, Zach Levine off the ball a little bit more, um, and maybe it's too late in the game with as little practice time as they have left and eight regular season games left, maybe it's too late in the game to change these things this drastically. But the Bulls are playing a lot better basketball when Ayo DeSumo had more of a stranglehold on the offense and, and initiating the offense. Like, the bulk of Vooch's really, really good run post-Orlando, which I think was like April, uh, not April 19th, but the, <laughs> I'm thinking 419 because that was the uh, his line for the night. He went 4 for 19. That Orlando game, maybe a month and a half, you know, six weeks ago or so, he went on a little bit of a run after that because Ayo DeSumo started to play like a lead guard and didn't he wasn't playing like a rookie guard who was playing really well he played like he was playing like a lead guard you know doesn't be, the year be damned rookie veteran doesn't matter and he was getting the ball to Vooch so i think the bulls have to kind of get back to having io have his hands on the ball a little bit more or alex caruso right cuz io was out of the starting lineup gets thrown back into the starting lineup now and i also think there's something to be said for billy donovan trying to figure things out this late with these lineups like i think patrick williams should be starting and i know there's a minutes restriction i know the doctors have some things to say but it's not like we're talking about a knee it's not like we're talking about a hip or an ankle we're talking about a broken wrist right so you getting this cardiovascular up and all this other stuff i want to make sure that my best defenders are on the floor because this is the other part about vooch being the most important player for this team down the stretch and maybe into the playoffs defensively if something doesn't change they are running running every pick and roll they possibly can at, at nikola vucevic and it made me think about a devin booker tweet that i saw uh, get brought up again this weekend you know enos freedom formerly enos Cantor. Um, said, you know, hold those L's talking crazy to me uh, to Devin Booker. And it had Devin Booker's hands outstretched and there was an L 
you know, letter L in his hands. And he was saying, hold those L's. And, and Devin Booker replied with, oh, every time we see you, we yell, run, pick and roll at Enos. And that's what's happening out here. Every time the Bulls are on the floor and there's a guard who wants to get himself or his big or one of his shooters going, they run pick and roll downhill at Vooch because he's dropping back. He's not engaging and attacking or the scheme isn't allowing him to engage and attack and hedge, make guys flatten that thing out and, you know, maybe move it around the horn a little bit more instead of compromising the defense, getting into the heart of it and, and you know, knocking down floaters. I mean, point guards, lead guards in the NBA nowadays, they come with a floater on deck. Like Karis LeVert was doing work again against the Bulls. You know why? He's 27-6 and six this year against the Bulls in, in five games because he attacks that portion of the defense. That free throw line, that nail area, that, that paint area, he's a pick-and-roll dude as well. So if you're backing up off him, you're throwing it up top. Like Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, those guys are going to do that. We're talking about playoff series now, right? James Harden, James Harden, Joel Embiid. Well, who else do you know that can attack a pick-and-roll right now with two better players? In the league. That might be it right there. Right? I mean, hell, Jamal Murray is out. Because if not, you talk about Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, right? Because of how great a passer Jokic is. So that's what the Bulls are going to see this playoffs. So, yeah, I know you might have thought I was crazy at the top of this thing where I was like, yeah, you know, Nikola Vucevic is the most important player on this Bulls team. But I, I hope I laid out enough of a case for you. And you can read between the lines and hear it in my voice on how long this playoff run will or won't be. Because if Patrick Williams and Tristan Thompson have to be out there because you can't play Nikola Vucevic in some of these minutes down the stretch because of what point guards and lead guards are doing in pick-and-roll offense against them, that offense that we haven't been talking about that struggled a little bit as of late, it ain't the same. And it ain't going to be the same. You think nobody's in that lane now when Vuce is out there at the three-point lane? Just wait until Tristan Thompson is on that pick-and-roll and nobody is staying with Tristan. Or... Patrick Williams is out there, and they're like, hey, man, if the rookie knocks down that three, we're just going to have to live with it, tip our cap. The formula changes when he's not in the game, and especially when defenses are able to attack him. So it's up to Billy Donovan, Mo Cheeks, that entire coaching staff to come up with a defensive scheme, not only in the playoffs, but right now. If these really are the playoffs, like Alex Caruso stated, if their playoffs started against the Cleveland Cavaliers, then we need to see playoff-level schemes and defenses that will accentuate some of the more positive aspects of Vooch as a defender. He's a big body. He's a really, really good defensive rebounder. But there are issues when it comes to guarding that pick and roll and that drop defense that they employ. It's going to get him in trouble. So he is the most important player. Billy Donovan is tasked with the scheme or, or, or the, uh, the job of coming up with the scheme to make sure that they are defending that pick and roll a lot better going forward because this thing can be a long playoff run or it could be like what we've seen post-All-Star break. And it all depends on the defense and the most important player going forward. And it might just be Nikola Vucevic. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer. 
a Spotify original. In this season of, of March Madness, of course, you're doing your thing with Aflac, and uh, I like to call it the uh, festival of missed jump shots, but other people call it the NCAA tournament. But as far as Aflac is concerned, uh, you know, those, those unexpected moments where insurance is necessary, uh, what are you doing with the good people at, at Aflac? Uh, this is my second year doing a March Madness campaign with them. Uh, <laughs> uh, the pre-paying show, and I'm doing it with Wanda Sykes this year. Mm-hmm. And it's actually been, these are really funny, and it was really fun working with Wanda Sykes because she's just naturally funny. And um, honestly, it was a lot of laughing on set, and she's so funny and so cool. And it just, it's actually surreal that the commercials come out, and then she's hosting the Oscars coming up this yeah. year. So it's, yeah. it's, it's really cool. And then, like, I'm a huge huge March Madness fan, so I'm, I'm thankful for Aflac for letting me participate again and let me wear a cardigan this year. I had to wear a full <laughs> suit. Um, and it was, really, it was really fun, though. And then it's, it's a lot of dope things they're doing, too, as far as uh, giving back and focusing on, like, colon cancer this year. Mm-hmm. Aflac is uh, it's, it's fun to have this partnership again with them, for real. Yes, it seems like a, a good time on the pre-paint show. I, I, I was wondering, too, because, you know, Wanda is outstanding at what she does in terms of motivating thought, making you question certain things that you probably didn't or weren't ready to question. And I believe that's the, the role that, that comedians and comedy serves. Uh, but in this time now where we're trying to figure out uh, how you can say things or what you need to say or what you need to be mindful of. How does that affect your comedy in, in terms of, um, you know, because there's a lot of dudes and a lot of ladies that run around here like talking about cancel culture and all that. And I've always thought that if you were if you were a good enough comedian to get the laugh, then you would figure out a way to get the laugh in terms of regular everyday life that you examine. So how does how is the, the changing times? How has that changed how you uh, how you get down in your, your stand up? It hasn't affected anything for me. Um, I think you're able to deliver anything as long as it's uh, rooted in truth and honesty. And as long as it's that, like, I think a lot of people who are having a difficult time with it is because they're really mean people. (laughs) (laughs) And not funny. That don't even mean they're not funny. It's just some really mean comics. And so you're usually going to complain about what you can't say, can't do, because it's not coming from good intention. Like you can roast somebody and talk about somebody, but if it's out of a place of love, it's okay. But if you're mean rooted, yeah, you're afraid because whatever you're trying to say, you basically just telling everybody, I can't do the jokes because I want to be mean. Oh, okay. All right. See, see, I never thought of it that way because I've never been uh, roasted on the back of any school bus and thought, man, this is coming from a place of love. So it, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> but you ain't from that shit. That's Chicago. Yeah, I know. Trust me. <laughs> Every roast you ever got, and that's if you really think about it, it's never been like. Yeah, it's never been your enemy doing it to you. It's always been your no, homies, no, right? But even if your enemy, it's never funniness. Just don't come out of just hate. Like the best of it. Like I think about the best roasters I've ever been around in high school, and who didn't have much. They didn't really have they clothes mostly dirty, but they had talk about anybody because. They, they they had to get you before you got them. Right. And to actually, to be able to do that, it can't come from a hate-filled place. Yeah, yeah. So, comedian, actor, which one brings you the biggest challenge these days in terms of uh, nailing the landing, in terms of executing maybe a joke or, uh, you know, a, a bit 
or you getting these scripts these days. You've been you're in a ton of movies these days and and writing and all the credits that you've gotten. Which yeah. one presents a bigger challenge for you these days in terms of creating content? None of them. Like I, I like I don't have the same. Uh, it was weird because I don't get asked these questions much. I think they should ask more happier comics and actors these questions. Like, nah, it's all good because I think it's all art. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if I'm if I'm not a terrible person, I'd like for me my stand up. You, you know, my last album or even just movies I've done, I've been able to talk about a lot of stuff because yeah. it's not personal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not like. I'm not a mean guy. Oh, no, no, but I'm talking about, like, the, the I know, art. The, I the art, like, which one? But hear me out. You got to hear me. They're going to be, like, it's all coming out of good place, fam. Like, everybody that, like, I look at Chappelle, right? Mm-hmm. And who I got nothing but love and respect for. But I don't know how nice he is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so, like, to, to, to focus on certain things, to not move on from it, I'm so creative. I don't have to do the same exact stuff. Mm-hmm. I said what I said and I move on. Right. Or I said what I said and this is what it is. If I keep harping on something, this thing's really personal. And that goes for art too, which is why I try to like, if you look at the movies I've done, it's different, man. I don't care yeah. if it's using the black Messiah, if it's bad trip, if it's, it's all different. And that's because, I love people so much. I'd rather explore even stand up and acting the human experience fully. And I think that's what the key is. Are you open to like experiencing and displaying different human characteristics, especially being black? Like I love playing all these different characters because, you know, it, it takes the color out of it in a way. I think some of these characters I've done was written for a white person, probably. Which ones? <laughs> I'm not gonna do that because that's that's the point. Oh, I'm glad you you have to ask me, don't you? Because you don't know. Yeah, that's experience in it, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And now, when <laughs> we talk about the Chicago comedy scene, right? Um, you know, there's still a few places that are open, and unfortunately, a, a few a lot of places have closed. You know, the jokes and notes of the world, the riddles of the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, we still do. Riddles, riddles is, is riddles is back and and they're still doing stuff over there at Bar Ten with Neon Rock. Damon Williams owns it now, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I've actually done uh, Windy City Live with Damon. He's a good brother too, man. Yeah. And, and and the the Chicago comedy scene. Um, when you are back in the city or when you are here, uh, what what is the comedy scene like here? Because it seems like whether it be music or other art art artistic ventures, uh, you know, New York, L.A., Atlanta. You know, there, there are certain hubs that you go to network with other creators, but for the young comic out there or the comic who's still trying to figure it out, what is the Chicago comedy scene from your vantage point right now? I mean, it's, uh, I can't really talk on it like I used to because I don't live there no more. Like, you know, when I was in the trenches of it, I lived in Chicago. I've been in L.A. for like nine years now. Um, but it's still there, right? Because I, it's still a lot of the young cats I see coming out of there that's touring. Mm-hmm that's jumping on television series and stand-up shows, that's getting specials finally. Chicago, to me, still is the strongest city for stand-up comedy. And we talking about from the time Bernie did it to now, I don't think, and look, I've had this argument with other comics in other cities. I don't care. I think Chicago has the strongest comedic platform. Mm -hmm. And we talking about not even just stand-up, even with improv. Like, you know, 
SNL wouldn't be the powerhouse it wasn't if it wasn't for the improv scene in Chicago, you know? So um, <laughs> until somebody knock us off the peg, Chicago's still the number one comedy place in America to me. So you're still in touch with your, your Chicago sports fandom as a, as a Bears oh. fan or as a Bulls fan? And how do you how do you stay engaged while being as busy as you are? I'm a, well, you know, I have money now, so I can get caught up <laughs> everywhere. So I go to a lot of Bulls games. And the crazy part is, and I probably almost want to break a record for how many different cities I go see the Bulls play in. So whatever city I'm in, I'm going to go anyway. Like, I like I was just at the Hawks game a, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I was catching it, too. And I love, see, this is why I pay for my own seats. So I can wear what I want. Okay, tell me what I can't wear. Because some of these, you know. You, you oh, yeah. If you if you get them comp, then they yeah, want you to wear like, the, the home like, stadium's hey, uniforms. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A ticket, brother. We like you to <laughs> but you can't wear your, your Bulls paraphernalia. Like, that. I've been asked that before. Yeah. So I, I'm buying my own tickets for the rest of my life, man. But, you know, I'm a diehard Bulls fan. I believe we're going to be a problem in the playoffs, like, to be honest with you. I think once we're really healthy and ball comes back and, like, I, I and I almost like the fact y'all don't know how we look as a full team. See, it's funny because I just did the post-game show, pre-game show last night with Kendall and Will. And we've been talking. And Kendall has been on the wait till we all get healthy. And Will has been the sometimes this is what you got. With the Lonzo Ball knee injury, though, man, it, you know, it, he might be out for the rest of the regular season. I, I, I feel like the, the time that the Bulls had early on, the, the season's been inverse, right? Where you go through your tough times early and then you figure it out down a stretch. They had their good times early, and then COVID and all the injuries have uh, have, have become not insurmountable, but they've been they've been challenging to say the least. Let me tell you something. That hot start was perfect. Hundred percent. Yeah, it was perfect. I I can't imagine. I'd be having a heart attack watching us be in one of these plays. <laughs> it I might happen though, bro. It's not gonna happen. No, I think whoever's at that bottom stay there. There it is. There it is. See, I, I, I could dig it. You still got your Chicago Bulls roots. As far- look, man, I, look, I'm a fan, but I'm a realist too, right? And this is one of the first teams in a long time where I'm like, no, I really believe in this team. I, I think we got hit with that COVID joint hard. The whole like, staff. I, like, it, it was crazy watching. I think, honestly, and Draymond Green was smart. When Golden State got that situation, you know, because a lot of teams started doing this weird postponement thing. We was playing through with three people in the roster. That we That's because we was going down to G League, the Hoffman Estates, getting, you know, Tyler Cook and, and Malcolm Hill and all these other cats. Bulls did the right thing. Yeah. Drake was smart because he's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Everybody else can take that. We, well, we took it to them. And I wish we would have did the same thing when we went. Because we, we got a massive hit. Yeah. Not you. It was like, bing, 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 bing. And, uh, but look, man, I'm a big fan, so I watch every single game. Good, good. I watch it twice, actually, which is weird. Uh, no, nah, not at all. Not at all. If you weren't, if if you weren't, it's not weird. You ain't, I mean, I'm not going to say you ain't got no real job, but you, you got flexible enough hours where you can watch a game anytime you want, right? I never said this in an interview, right? Because what? The script and we're learning my lines, and I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> you're watching Patrick Williams come back. So, as far as the, the north side and the south side, Cubs, Sox, who, who have you uh, found your allegiance in? I'm from the west side, so automatically I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a see, huge- I, 
I've never understood that. I, I get that from a lot of West Side guys. I, it's just the West Side, South Side thing, you know, even that, in baseball. The North Side is cl- like it's more neighboring to us. But then this is the thing about it. The White Sox organization has treated me so well over the yeah. last four or five years. First pitch I ever thrown out, and I was with them. And so it's hard not to show love. So, like, it's tough, too. I'm just, I, I think I've learned when I've left Chicago to appreciate Chicago and not just do this West, you know what I mean? Like, because once you meet the other people from Chicago, especially in L.A. Same crew. Outside, South suburbs, North suburbs, Aurora, all this. It's like, yeah, we all family. Like, what are we, what are we doing? And then you See, go back home, like, nah, I ain't going out south. Like, y'all still doing it? <laughs> yeah, having wars on who's better, you know, Leon's and Harold's, Lambs and all this other stuff, right? I mean. <laughs> you can go to both now. If, if, <laughs> there will be no chicken wars in, in the city of Chicago. Uh, as we let you go here, and we appreciate your time, man. I know you're a busy man. Uh, the best day of your career and the worst day of your career. Best day of my career, uh, man, it's been quite a few. I mean, bro, that's a tough one. Stunt. I'll say at the end of the premiere of Get Out, uh, when I walked into that place, nobody really, I mean, they were really checking for me like that. When I left there, security had to walk me to my car. Yeah. That's how crazy it was. That's big. Uh, worst day is, uh, dang, I don't know if I have. Not yet, yeah. I guess. Oh, well, get out there and win the Oscar. <laughs> that was the worst day of the career. Like, what, if I could pick something that yeah. was, that movie, the movie we lost to was like, nobody not even watching that movie. Which movie did you lose to again? I uh, think about it. Shape of Water. The Shape of Water. You don't hear me? Nah. That's nah. all I have to say. I know <laughs> I said it, but it is what it is. There it is. Oh, man. Uh, thank you for joining us via AFLAC, the pre-paying show, Wanda Sykes, March Madness. Get, let people know where they can tune in, where they need to go, and anything else that you got to promote before we get up out of here. Please. Check out the Aflac prepaying commercials running all over during March Madness. I'm almost tired of seeing myself, but you're going to keep seeing me and Wanda, and you're going to laugh. And you need that laugh, especially when your team is down to 20 seconds left. There it is. There it is. Lil Rail, thank you so much for joining us here on The Full Go. It's The Full Go Minute! Yeah, man. It was, a, it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. And you know, Every once in a while, I got to tell myself how much I love sports and how much I love doing this, right? Sometimes it gets bogged down. Sometimes it feels like work. Sometimes losing happens in these seasons. You're like, oh, shit, how much, how much more can I deal with? How much more can I talk about? But, man, you know, the tournament and I have had a cantankerous relationship, to say the least. And the tournament hasn't treated me badly, but I've treated the tournament badly over the last, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years, whatever the case may be. Uh, I stopped doing brackets because I just got tired of marking down all right I got this one right all right I got this one wrong instead of just watching the games and uh, since then my enjoyment in the tournament has has increased uh and then pandemic you know season happened the last two years or so and I kind of removed myself from the college basketball scene slowly but surely and jumped back in a little bit this year but this tournament was kind of my introduction to a lot of these players who the last couple of years I have kind of lost track of and I'll say this, man, to see that St. Peter squad and shout out to FanDuel Sportsbook, by the way, because every once in a while I get the itch 
And uh, I was looking at that St. Peter's game. It's like, you know what? I'm going to throw throw 50 bucks on the money line and 50 bucks on the spread. And I'll be damned if they didn't handle both. Not the North Carolina game. Not the not the North Carolina game. Don't 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 get it twisted. I, you know, I threw a little threw a little something out there for the St. Peter's North Carolina game, knowing it wouldn't come back. But that's one of those things where, hey, you you, you did me right, Shaheen Holloway, and 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 what's my guy's name? Is it is it is it KG and Defo and Nadefo and and uh, what's the what's the dude with the mustache? The only white boy on the team. The only, the only white Doug guy on something. the team. Doug Eddard, I believe his name is. Something, something like, like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite cartoons on Nickelodeon was Doug back in the day. So how could I not go with a brother named Doug for the St. Peter's Peacock? So shout out to Shaheen Holloway, who I do remember being uh, a McDonald's All-American. I do remember his Seton Hall career. And, uh, you know, St. Peter's, Enjoy this now because <laughs> your man Shaheen Holloway, yeah, Doug Eddard. Shout out to Doug Edward, Eddard. But your man Shaheen Holloway is already signed, sealed, and delivered for somewhere else. There is no reason for Shaheen to go back and prove his worth. You, you strike while the iron is hot. I used to love this time back in the day because we on Terrestrial Radio back in my former life would get on the coaches who uh, who were like, you know, 15 seeds, 16 seeds, 14 seeds. One, because we knew they would answer, right? Those coaches are always looking for promotion. And two, because one or two of those guys would usually have an upset and we'd have their phone number on handy and then we'd call them next round and be like, hey, man, so when do you plan on leaving Hofstra? You know, you know, or like, or yeah, Morehead State is cool. I understand. But when do you plan on flying to Coop? I, who was the dude that, 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 remember Dunk U or Dunk University, Florida Gulf Close? I think it was Florida Gulf, Florida Gulf Coast University, FGCU. The coach that that coached those kids who were throwing alley oops and lobs all over the place, and he had a few terrifically athletic players. And they, I think they got to the Sweet Sixteen, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think he went on and 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 started coaching at USC. So you know, Shaheen Holloway is right in that bag of I got a, a young upstart squad who. I'm coaching with a whole bunch of exuberance and I'm playing it cool. He's got the charisma. I mean, he's a New York City point guard, if I'm not mistaken, or a Philly point guard. He's a Philly point guard, if I'm not mistaken. So he's he's been through some battles and, and, he, and he moves like it. He moves like a, a future head coaching star. Now, we've seen this before where we think somebody's going to be a star for years to come and sometimes it's a slow burn. Sometimes you don't have the backing of your university that you're going to. Sometimes basketball isn't as important as some might think it is, you know, like Shaka Smart. You could have told me that Shaka Smart wouldn't have had at least one national championship or two national championships by now after we saw his run in Wichita State. Then he goes to Texas, has to take it back to the lab. So I'm hoping Shaheen Holloway gets um, gets his just due, gets himself uh, uh, a, a little uh, on the back end here because I, I feel like he's going to get it. And, and like I said, I threw that money in the FanDuel, and FanDuel paid me back in as little as two hours, as the promos say. So I, I'm all good. I'm all good. The tournament's been fun, though. And you know what I've enjoyed the most about this tournament is that I don't have to worry about watching something that I'm not sure of. You know, NCAA tournament basketball is full of pageantry. It's full of cheerleaders. It's full of bands playing in the background. It's full of ravenous fans. But you got it down to a science now if you're an NBA fan. If you're an NBA fan, you know exactly what's going to happen in these tournament games. So what you do is you look for the NBA traits. And that's all I look for. The, the guard play, 
the, the sound lead guard play, whoever your lead guard is. He doesn't have to be a, a senior or a junior. Is he playing with some measure of poise? Is, is, he, is he leading things in a way where you don't need a head coach to uh, get teams under control? And, you know, you look at this Carolina team, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, I've seen a little bit of them this year, but this tournament, they've shown me that they, these are those kinds of guys, right? Jeremy Roach at Duke is that kind of guy. So if you've got yourself lead guard play, whether it be senior-led, upperclassman-led, or it's an uh, underclassman who's got terrific poise, you got lead guard play, you got a couple of pros, uh, you can usually find out where your champion is coming from, right? And uh, I, I think I saw the 20 of the last 21 Final Fours um, or national championship runs, they've all been three seeds or higher. So you can start to look at the trends and try to take out, okay, who's not going to be there now? I just mentioned North Carolina Tar Heels with R.J. Davis and Caleb Love and Armando ba- Baycott. Hey, man, they're an A.C., but that that team isn't an A.C., right? That team is a two or three seed that underwhelmed a little bit through the year. And, and talk about the year that Hubert Davis has had. Hubert Davis has gone from people like, ah, this might have been a mistake. You know, following up after a legend like Roy Williams, all of a sudden now you might have got yourself a lemon. And look at him now. He's in the Final Four, uh, first, I believe, first, second, second player uh, or second person to coach in and also play in a Final Four at the school that they went to. And the other guy was like somebody named like Dick Harp or something like that. By the way, that's not a move or a suggestion. That's actually his name. So, yeah, man, I'm, uh, shout out to, to Hubert Davis, but I'm, I'm understanding how I can like college basketball a little bit more as I watch this tournament, expecting guys to hit certain shots, expecting guys to understand how certain defenses are being played against them. I mean, this whole thing is us watching children wilt and, and the, 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 uh, the atmosphere that is provided by that, right? Like, as soon as these teams get eliminated, we go to the back of the layup, I mean, not the layup line, but the back of the, uh, the handshake line, right? And, and see who's crying, see which senior who's played his last minute, second, you know, half, a uh, game of basketball, whatever the case may be, see how he feels about it, right? And then go to the uh, over-exhilarated coach who is like, we're still playing and and, and going crazy because he understands that those bonuses are getting kicked in uh, with every every uh, charge that is drawn and, you know, every floor that is slapped and and every head that is padded because just some, somebody just got dunked on. So, yeah, it's um it, it's a cool time of year. And and I know I've probably downplayed it for a while. I, you know, I, it's just because of the era that I viewed and I watched. But this year has been fun. And, of course, you've got that Chicago flavor here because United Center was full of Miami Hurricanes fans and, and Kansas Jayhawks fans because the regional ended here. Um, shout out to Charlie Moore, uh, you know, a Chicago kid who they tried to get that out of him at the end of the game where they they zoomed in on him. And I was in a bar, so I'm watching. I'm like, oh, they got this. They got this. The, the close-up shot on Charlie. Let's see if he cries or not. Like the producer's hoping you'll cry and hoping that you'll, you know, have some some saddened expression. And Charlie was like, hey, man, you know, lost the game. And I'm sure um, he, he will have time to look back on what this season and what his career has been. But, yeah, it, it, it was fun. And I will say this. I'm in it for the hijinks as well. So um, I went to a North Carolina bar to see St. Peter's beat them. And it didn't happen like that. So I was just quiet and went down to 7-Eleven at the corner and bought some cards and played some spades with my my family. You know what I mean? Because I was like, all right, guys, we might have to delay the uh, 
lay the celebration here and uh, just just play some spades because St. Peter's isn't going to beat the team that is out rebound. Like North Carolina was just like, hey y'all, we appreciate um, all of your participation. Uh, we appreciate how enthusiastic you guys have been, but we're going to put our NBA players on the floor and we're going to put our six nine, six foot ten backups on the floor. And we're going to kill you on the boards and we hope that you and the mustachioed man have a good ride back to wherever you're from. Like that's how North Carolina treated it. Uh, it was uh, it was over really really soon. It was like forty one to nineteen. My lady was like, "You think they still have no? They they don't have a chance. Let's let's get some more drinks. This is uh this is not good for us, or the bet, or the golf uh, family economy, uh, which I am constantly monitoring. Uh, and shout out to FanDuel because you know you already know <laughs> I I get the itch during tournament time and during the Super Bowl, so. You know, uh, I I know my limits and my limits were shown to me this weekend. But, you know, we didn't do anything untoward. We, you know, we gambled with the money that we made off of St. Peter's early on. So I stashed some of that. But, yeah, the tournament, you know, the tournament is um is not what it used to be for me. Like a lot of sporting events are, you know, like the Olympics and some of these other things that had a little bit more of a special place for me. And as you get older, you get jaded and life and responsibilities and all the other things take over. But I made the best of the NCAA tournament, and especially this weekend where there were a lot of people walking around this city and moving around this city uh, just trying to get some of that tournament action. So, you know, as we um, as, as we press on here into uh, another Final Four where I'm going to be wrong and have been wrong, uh, I, I just hope that these kids realize how much they are worth going forward and these NILs and all these other things kick in. Yeah, I know. I know. I know you're sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, Jason was really going to sing the praises of the NCAA and make me feel better about college basketball because I love it so much and why doesn't he love it? Nah, kill that noise. You know you know where I'm bringing this. Them boys need to be paid. The boys need to be paid even more. The NIL ain't enough. You got, you got uh, uh, millions and millions. Uh, the conference that St. Peter's plays in got $6 million because of this birth to the, to the Elite Eight. You hear me? So let's, let's, not, let's not play around here. <laughs> I know you feel good about, you know, was it the, uh, the one shining moment at the end and, and Jim Nance being weird and offering somebody his, his tie as a, you know, uh, <laughs> like a, in memoriam of, of their tournament run, which he did with Ryan Archidiacono that one year. And Ryan was like, hey, man, I, I don't need your tie, fam. I'm, I'm about to go out here and have a good time with my friends. Like, we just won a national championship and you over here pouring syrup on everything. So, yeah. Uh, I'm still the guy that I am. I have enjoyed this tournament this last weekend or so, but the boys still need to be paid. These coaches still ain't doing what they're supposed to do. You got, you got, you know, diamond presses just befuddling teams. <laughs> you got half court traps just just putting teams in a quandary. <laughs> like, like, oh my God, you mean to tell me if I go to the corner of the court and right before the half court? and get trapped there, that we're going to have to call a timeout and take this back to the lab immediately? No, this isn't something you should have coached or taught on day one, right? So, yeah, yeah I know you thought I was being somebody else, but I'm still me, damn it. And it was a good, fun weekend. Shout out to St. Peter's and Shaheen Holloway. Uh, the Elite A did be good, and the tournament looked good on Chicago. 
it's good to see a lot of people walking around this city after everything that people say that are from out of town and what you see sometimes on the national news. It's good to see people walking around this city with their school colors on because all you were this weekend was an easy mark for someone who isn't from here. And I hope you made it back home safely. So NCAA tournament, it was fun. I'm glad you were here in Chicago. Now I can get back to people actually knowing how to break a press and knock down a jump shot if they're open. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You ever been outside of Chicago? Outside Chicago. Outside. 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 Where we at? Outside! I had the Deshaun Watson thoughts in the last pod. Let me say this right here, right now. Deshaun Watson coming out saying the things that he did at that press conference has upped this thing to another level that I don't think anybody is or will be ready for. Deshaun Watson coming out and pretty much saying, these women are all lying, because that's what it is, right? Like, when you say that I've never done this and I've been raised in a certain way to never have done this, don't engage with this, I don't disrespect women on any level, like, this is the guy he's always presented himself as, right? And this is why people have loved him in Houston and Clemson, I got it. But when you say what he said, it's as simple as this. Somebody's fucking lying. Right? Like someone's lying here. And you put it now, like this could have, and it's, it sounds awful, but we know how sports, the, the, the sporting community uh, fatigues with a story after a while and, and guys and girls know that they could just put it on the back burner, take a little heat for a year, half a year, whatever the case may be, and come back on the other side because we are as forgiving of people as anyone, especially when it comes to sports fans in this country and sometimes because of our own nasty-ass personal interests. But when you say what he said at that press conference and you've got the ownership and the entire, the front office, everybody like, yo, we planned the flag. We did an extensive investigation and we believe in this man, lock, stock, and barrel. You are saying that all, all of these women are lying. Because even if one of these things are true, you're, you're, you're still on crazy, nasty man status, right? And then the two that didn't get, um, you know, the, the two that the grand jury kind of threw out in Texas, 
This is a lot of people to be saying that they're all lying. So if that man has the, um, he's got the, the, the fortitude and the constitution to look into a camera and be like, mm-mm, I, 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 am, I am clearing my name right now. He took it another step. He took it to a level that I wasn't thinking it was going to go. I thought this was going to be like every other NFL case that we see where it's like, ah, there's some civil allegations here. There's nothing criminal. Um, give it a two-year, three-year span where he keeps his nose clean and all of a sudden, you know, we're just talking about it kind of like we talked about Kobe stuff in the background, kind of like we talked about, uh, you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger stuff in the background or any famous um, uh, big-name athlete, superstar athlete. Stuff kind of fades away. And, and I'm not telling any, any tales out of turn here. I'm not. We all know it. We watch it. We, we talk about it behind closed doors, you know, and then we get in front of these microphones and it's like, okay, you can say this, but you can't say this. And you can say this, but you can't say this. And you, you, you don't want to allege anything because nobody, you know, you, you can't believe one side or, or over the other. I get it. I understand. But when it gets taken to this level now, when people start saying, hey, by the way, my name will be cleared. <laughs> I'm in the right in this situation. That's when you turn up the temperature a little bit more. And whether it's him engaging in something that is kind of the wink-wink, nod, you know, kind of situation, finding masseuses on Instagram and all this other stuff, and then all of a sudden you run into one who ain't down, guess what? Still troublesome. You know, still problematic. Or, or, if we're talking about 22 women who have come together and so one saw a story and was like, oh, shit, I did that. That happened to me, too. I'm going to go out there and try to get some of this money. If 22 women have come and, and knowing what happens, six of them, six of them have put their name on this thing. Knowing what happens to women in this country when you go up against the, the big, not just, not just athletes, you go up against the biggest corporation damn near in all of American sports right now, in the NFL. These women knew what they, what they had coming. These women knew the, the stress and the pressure they were going to be put under. So not just the six that, that, that put their names on it, but the other 16 that came forward. I'm supposed to believe now, going forward, that these women are lying and that Deshaun Watson is innocent. That's what happened when the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson decided it was time to have a press conference to introduce him and his new $200-plus million guaranteed contract. That's what happened. Let me tell you right now, if Deshaun Watson had never stepped to a podium with a brown, and or brown suit and an orange tie on, nobody would have been like, oh, he's not facing the music. He's not facing the, he's not facing the question. Guess what? You would have tired about that as well. Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns played this thing like one of, in one of two ways. Either, either they know unequivocally, unequivocally, that this man is not only innocent, but this is some kind of uh, ridiculous, like, uh, conspiracy and, and, and scheme going against one of the top black quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, a young man whose reputation was not besmirched before this and now will forever be changed after this. Or, <laughs> or... Or they went out there and fucked it up for themselves all over again, which is what I might be leaning towards. Because now, 
these 22 women, including the six who have put their name on it, now you have reopened those wounds. You have now told them that, yeah, you're lying. We know you're lying. So you're going to sit there with your lying ass. This thing, and it's going to sound awful. This thing was disgusting, weird, unfortunate, um, just all kinds of awkward from Jump Street. And also, unfortunately, it was getting ready to get buried. And the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson stepped to that podium and said, you know what? Let's unearth this thing. We got more to talk about. So either way, this thing ain't dead. And calling these women essentially liars is what the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson are doing and going forward. And if he's got the evidence and if, and if he can come forward and say this, this, and this happened, and this is why I'm innocent, God bless him. This is, this is you know, this is the country to do that in. But if that's not the case and they unearth this unnecessarily so, right? Because he was going to have to answer these questions at some point, maybe in training camp, maybe with a helmet on like Ricky Williams back in the day when he had social anxiety, whatever the case may be. But they chose not only to address it when they did, but how they did. This ain't over. This ain't over by a long shot. The full goal with Jason Goff. That's all the time we have for episode 82 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. I want to thank our guest, Little Rail, for joining us. All the awesome stuff he's doing with the pre-pain show and, of course, Aflac, Wanda Sykes, and the crew. So shout out to Little Rail. I want to thank our producers, as always, the production staff that makes this thing hum, makes this thing sound the way it does. The always active Jesse Lopez, my main man, Chris Tannehill. Shout out to Tanny. Happy birthday to you once again, my man. And oh, 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 the shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti dropped in on us halfway through the pod. It's kind of like when the principal walks down that one hallway where you know where all the bad kids are. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah all right, go check on room 302. They, they raising hell again. You, you just see Cerruti's face pop in there like, oh, uh, dollar bills checking on us. So shout out to the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thanking you for downloading this thing, subscribing to this thing, sharing this thing, rating and reviewing, and doing all the things that you do for and to this podcast. We truly appreciate you listening to the full go with Jason Goff. Brought to you by The Ringer and, of course, Spotify is the gang. We leave you with this, as always, and especially after those Oscars. Hey, man, take care of each other out here and and, and be as safe as you possibly can, okay? Stop, Stop thinking that you won't get your shit slapped out of you. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> oh man I'm that... sorry bro. I just did it <laughs> hey dog you gots to be more careful <laughs> you gots to be more careful